Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Could a coworker be annoying enough that it justifies sabotaging their performance? We'll get to that in a bit, but first, don't use me to parent your kids. I have dwarfism, and this often leads to weird interactions in public, especially with kids. Sometimes a kid comes up to me to ask why I'm so short, and I have a pre-prepared response for that, but most of the time they just loudly ask their parents why I'm so short. Usually the parents will awkwardly drag their kids away, telling them not to comment on people in public which is sad but understandable. I like the parents who just say something about how some people are born like this and even though we look a bit different, we're still regular people just like everyone else. Sometimes I hear a gem like, I bet he shrank in the wash. What I can't stand is when people try to use me to parent their kids. I'm sure you can think of ways to convince your kids to finish their plate at dinner that don't involve pointing at a dwarf in public and saying, that's what happens when you leave food on your plate. Or, he didn't listen to his mommy when she told him to eat all his vegetables. It's rude, it's humiliating, and it teaches your kid that differences are a bad thing, and that people are at fault for their differences or disabilities. It just pisses me off. A few days ago I was in public, and a kid who was maybe 4 or 5 years old was acting out, and his mom was clearly struggling to keep him under control. So she pointed to me and told her son that I was one of Santa's elves, and I was watching him and would tell Santa about his behavior. The kid's name was on a key ring on his backpack, so I just said, It's okay, Hunter. You're already on the nice list, and Santa told me you're getting an iPad this Christmas. Hunter was excited. His mom was not. Honestly, I think you gotta be a special kind of jerk to use somebody with dwarfism in public as part of your Santa's elf better be a good kid scheme. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, neighbor didn't like the color of my house. This was about 10 or 11 years ago in a medium-sized city in Indiana. I moved into a house and had it painted to a new color scheme. It looked nice was a little different than the surrounding homes, but it wasn't pink and yellow or anything stupid. Some wackadoodle across the street came over and said it was horrible looking and told me to change it. Well, I wondered if maybe I wasn't thinking right, so I asked four other neighbors and none of them had an issue at all. Thought it was a nice improvement. So I let him know that no one else had an issue and he told me, I've got deep pockets. If you don't change it, I'm getting a lawyer. I told him to go ahead and have a nice day. After a few lawyers told him he had no case, he tried to get an HOA formed, held meetings, paid someone to drop the proposed rules, etc. No one would agree to this, so his investment was a waste and he just wouldn't stop witching about it. Well, I already owned several rental properties at that point and was always on the hunt for more. So when the houses next door to him were selling, I ended up buying both of them, but never told him I owned either. I had picked up the first one in the early fall and the other in the winter, 
So when summer rolled around, I had both of them painted the exact same as mine. He was so pissed. Even better is the fact that I bought them in 2009 and 2010 and sold them last year for a very nice profit. Thanks a rationally angry man. I just don't understand people who have the time to be worried about what color the neighbor's house is. This dude had money for days and seemingly had issues finding ways to spend them apparently. Our next story is, guy I know hit my car. So someone I know hit my car while it was parked where he works. At first he was so apologetic and said he would do anything to make it right. Then it came out that he's uninsured. With that knowledge, I tried my best to avoid a police report because he could easily get in legal trouble. I was trying my best to be nice, so the two options were either he pay the body shop in full, almost $3,000, or he pays the deductible for my insurance. Repairs are made, and then he works with the insurance to pay them back, even if this means garnishment. At least this would avoid suspension of his license or right to register. Anyway, I text him just expressing the importance of figuring this out, because we have 30 days to file and it was already a week and a half since. My insurance agent also asked me to relay that the paying the deductible, then paying them, is best to avoid repercussions. So I did. Mind, I've been nice this entire time. Even though he totally trashed my car because he decided to whip out of a parking space way too fast and the wrong way without looking. I didn't even tell anyone else but my agent, mother, grandma, partner, and boss since I had to go to my vehicle while working. He proceeds to text me, I've been driving longer than you've been born. I think I know this stuff. He's maybe 40. I'm 26. It's not like he's been driving 50 plus years. Plus, no matter how long you've driven, doesn't make you knowledgeable or good at driving. I respond that there's really no need for sarcasm, and I was just relaying something I was specifically asked to by my agent. He continues with that I'm lecturing him. I told him it wasn't a lecture, just a message being relayed. If anything, it was my agent lecturing him for driving uninsured for six plus months. He continued on and on, even saying, I can do this all day, and every text you send I can respond even when I'd stopped and asked him to never contact me again. Since he wanted to play this game, I decided to not only tell my insurance to go after him for whatever they can, I included everything where he admitted fault so that they can use it in court when they go after him, and even filed a police report so we can obtain the video evidence of him hitting my car. So yeah, now he's at risk for losing his license and right to register. Do I care? Nah. Don't drive without insurance. Also, don't be rude to the person you hit who is trying to help you out even though you're completely at fault. Not the most petty I've been, but it was fun. I think OP did everything that they were originally supposed to do. I'm really honestly shocked that this dude could not understand how lucky they were that OP was trying to work with them. I'm sure the 40 year old whipping out of a parking space without car insurance sure is the right type of person to use the older and wiser card. This next story is, but she only leaves me alone for 3 minutes tops. I visit my brother-in-law every other year. He and hubby dash off to listen to music or whatever, leaving me with my sister-in-law, who always finds a way to leave me sitting alone in her family room. Once, she went to glue a bow on a wreath for two hours. She then denies leaving me alone. She tells everyone it was only for three minutes tops. 
It makes me so mad that she denies leaving me sitting in a room with nothing to do. So we recently went back there. Hubby and brother-in-law had to make a Home Depot run. Five seconds later, she excused herself. I waited patiently for 15 minutes. I then walked to the kitchen and pulled out three utensils from her utensil drawer and hid them. I sat back down, but she still didn't return, so I walked back in and opened both utensil drawers. I put one in the washer, one in the dryer, one in the pantry. I hid every last utensil. When we left, she hadn't yet graced me with her presence. I told the rest of the family how she left me sitting alone in her house again, and for the first time ever, she couldn't deny it. Denying it would mean that she had to explain how I was alone long enough to hide every utensil in her kitchen. I won't see her again for two years, but I bet she doesn't leave me alone again. Honestly, considering it's your brother-in-law, this doesn't sound like it's very enjoyable for OP at all. Why not just let the hubby go and visit their brother, and you take some me time? I just don't understand why OP's presence is necessary here. It's not like anybody's engaging them. Our next story is sideswiped on the 405. A lady sideswiped me on the freeway on the way to work, and then didn't pull over to stop. I had to get up in front of her, no easy task in traffic, and stop to get her to finally get out and exchange infos. She didn't speak very good English, but I managed to get her contact and insurance info. By this point I'd cooled down a little, so I let her go on her way because we were blocking traffic, and I still had to get to work. Later that day, her son called me and asked if they could take care of it without bringing insurance into it. The guy seemed sincere, so I initially agreed, despite the fact that she had tried to hit and run. And quite frankly, the damage to my car was pretty minimal. Of course, he ghosted me after that. I called his cell, his work, and his mother's number repeatedly over the course of more than a week, and got bup kiss in return. So I called the cops. I filed a report, called my insurance, and called her insurance with the police report number. My insurance wanted me to get inspected by the representative, and when I took it in, the guy told me outright that the damage was minor. He implied that it might not be worth my while to file a claim. What with the time it would take and getting a rental and all that, I told him outright that one, she had tried to hit and run, and two, she and her son had ghosted me afterwards. Because of that, I was determined to make her pay every cent. And I wanted my car to look brand spanking new when it was all over. If they had made good on their word, I probably would have buffed out the pain myself and lived with a small dent on that side. But this way, instead of just cutting me a check for about six or seven hundred dollars, they and or their insurance had to pay almost fifteen hundred dollars for OEM parts and paint for the repairs. And she now has a hit and run on her record. My rep later told me that there was a very good chance that her insurance company would drop her and it would be hard for her to get new coverage. A hit and run is much more serious than just trading paint on the freeway. Lesson learned, let your insurance company put in the work of going after someone who owes you. That's what you pay them for. A definite word of advice is if you're in a situation like this and you can come to an agreement outside of involving your insurance, 100% you should pursue that. Because God forbid, even if you didn't get a hit and run charge, Lord knows you'll probably be spending way more than six or $700 in the long run because of how much your insurance rates are going to skyrocket. Our next story is, park your bike in my corral? 
good luck getting it back. This happened just before summer ended. At the grocery store where I work, there's this large cart corral at the front of the store, directly in front of you when you walk in the doors. This corral holds 90 plus shopping carts when full, in four columns of interlocked metal, so you can imagine how much empty space there is when it's not full. One of my duties is to keep an eye on that corral, and when it starts to get empty, go out and refill it with carts in the parking lot. This is a time-consuming process, and while it's happening, any number of people will attempt to use the space in the corral for their own purposes. It's empty space, no one's using it brah. Yes, actually I am using it, it's not for your use. So one day I'm out grabbing carts, and when I come back, a dude is literally parking his bicycle inside the corral, kickstand, helmet, and everything. I attempt to advise him that the space is not a bicycle parking area, and he snaps back with, I'll just be a minute, don't you touch my freaking bike. Now, unbeknownst to him, I've had this problem before. That time I moved the bike outside and continued my work. Management told me to never do this again, since if I touch the bike and it's later stolen, I can be considered liable for the theft or even an accessory after the fact. So there is no way I am touching this bike. That said, it's right in the way, and I still need to get the carts inside. It's at this point that I come up with a plan. This man has told me not to touch his bike. Ergo, he probably doesn't want anyone else to touch his bike either. Well, I can help with that. I proceed to gather 12 shopping carts and, with a little finesse, form a wall of steel around this man's parked bike without ever directly touching said bike. I use the chain locks to make them one interconnected unit, then for the finale, I take the cart key to lock them. A quick note about the cart key, for anyone who's ever worked with shopping carts before, some stores utilize magnetized wheel locks that stop the cart from leaving the store's property. I'm not exactly sure how the mechanism works without a power source in the cart, but it's darn effective all the same. Attempt to leave the property and one of the wheels locks, making the cart itself entirely impossible to move if you don't lift the locked wheel off the ground. One of my duties is to head out to the edge of the property with a cart key to unlock them. This nifty device, one placed close to the locked wheel and a button pressed, will unlock said wheel, allowing you to roll the cart back to where it belongs with ease. What a lot of people don't know is that these cart keys also have a button to lock the wheel instead. It's rarely ever used, but it does exist. So I go to fetch the cart key, make sure to arrange the cart so that there's no entrance or exit for the bike without moving them and proceed to lock each and every wheel on each and every one of the 12 carts. Satisfied that absolutely no one is going to touch this bike, I go back to filling up the cart corral and watching out for the dude who parked the bike. As soon as I catch sight of him in line at the register, I head inside and tell my boss that I'm taking my lunch. 30 minutes of sweet freedom. So I head out to my car and drive to an A&W down the street. Silly me, I forgot to put the cart key back in the store before I left. When I get back from lunch, I'm greeted with a glorious sight. Bike dude is standing in the entranceway with milk, popsicles, and cans of frozen fruit juice just gleefully melting and going bad in the summer heat. Dude is yelling and screaming at the manager, You think this is funny? I'm going to sue for theft. I want a refund on my groceries, blah blah blah. Then he catches sight of me heading into the store and rushes to get into my face. 
You, you did this to me, you freaking jerk. Hmm? Did what? The bike dude pointing to his well-protected bike. You freaking locked my bike away, you freaking freak. My groceries are going bad because of you. I said with a smirk, Oh? So you're inconvenienced because someone else parked where they shouldn't have? What a coinkydink. At this point, my manager comes up with a half-hearted, disapproving stare. OP, do you have the card? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. We can't find it and this gentleman needs to get his bike. I put on a show of smacking my forehead and pull out the cart key. I'm so sorry, boss. It totally slipped my mind that I had it in my pocket. Here you go. Bike dude tried to have me fired for that stunt, but it was rightfully pointed out to him that he'd parked his bicycle where it was not supposed to go, and that while my particular parking job was not company policy per se, that was where carts were supposed to go, and he should have expected his bike to be buried by the carts. I did get a stern lecture about intentionally locking the carts to make his day worse, but my manager was trying his hardest not to laugh while he did so, so I think I'm in the clear. 100% if there's that little shopping cart corral and you choose to park your bike in there, you kind of deserve it if you come back to your bike being fenced in by shopping carts. That's literally where they go. Our next story is revenge for firing my son. Even though it's been a number of years, I'm going to be somewhat general in my post just in case they read this. My son was working for a well-known gas station chain. 
He worked the night shift and constantly dealt with overdoses in the parking lot, bathrooms, etc. Most of these were friends or boyfriends or girlfriends of the workers and managers. Literally almost everyone that worked there was on some type of substance. My son did inventory and some ordering and knew someone and or multiple people were stealing from the business. He reported it to his manager who said they'd look into it. The next night, he worked his normal night shift, and at the end, the manager came in and asked to speak to him. She accused him of stealing and said she had it on camera. He asked what he stole, and she refused to give him an answer and said that for legal reasons, she couldn't tell him. He then asked to see the camera footage and was given the same answer. He came home visibly upset and scared. He thought they were going to call the police on him, and he was also worried about having a termination for theft on his job history. He had just turned 18 and just graduated high school. I told him that she had nothing, otherwise she wouldn't have let him work all night by himself, that they didn't have any camera footage or she would have called the police, that more than likely she didn't want him snitching on her and her druggy friends. At these gas stations they had a service that customers could use, in which the gas station made a huge part of their profits from. I've worked in a lot of factories and knew that the gas station didn't have the appropriate safety signage nor training for this service. There was a lot of high voltage and frankly no one should have been operating the service without signage or training. I called OSHA and filed a report. Not one week later, this service was shut down. Not only was that place shut down, but the inspector went to every gas station this company owned in a 15 mile radius and shut every single one down and gave the company a huge fine for every infraction at every station. It didn't end there. OSHA showed up at their gas station for years. More fines, more shutdowns. A few years later, the company ended up selling the service to a third party contractor to get rid of the headache. The manager never filed a police report, there was never any camera footage. In fact, she was fired after the first OSHA inspection and they later found out that she had been stealing. Honestly, with the way OP described this place, I think it was a ticking time bomb that eventually was going to shut down one way or another. Whether that's from OSHA shutting it all down, or some kind of greater substance bust. This next story is, could I get some more water please? This happened just yesterday. My husband and I took a little weekend staycation and decided to hit the main drag through the college part of town. We don't eat at restaurants much, service seems to be getting worse, everything costs more, and to be honest, my husband can make better copycat food 90% of the time. But bar hopping is a bit different. Anyway, there's this bar we always stop at for a margarita, they have a bajillion options, while we're in that part of town, and we bellied up. The bar was pretty empty and there were two tenders behind it, neither of whom acknowledged us. Not even a quick, hey guys, our bartender will be right with you. When we finally asked to order, the girl standing there, who apparently wasn't the bartender, told us the other bartender would get to us. Well, okay then. We got our drinks and then decided to go outside on the patio to enjoy the nice weather and the people watching. Once we sat down, I asked the not bartender bartender, who now happened to be the nearest to our table, for some water. She brought out two disposable plastic cups that the bar would typically use for shots or cocktails. Whatever, maybe this is how they served water. Soon, a group of four sat at the table next to us. The not bartender brought them huge glasses of water. You know, the giant plastic red ones that completely differentiate water and soda from alcoholic beverages? 
Um, okay, why didn't we get large glasses? All we could think of was that we asked to be served. Or maybe she didn't think we would order anything else? So it wasn't worth the effort? Either way, so here's where the petty revenge comes in, I'd brought my water bottle along with every intention of pouring whatever water I didn't drink into it before we left. Obviously, these little glasses wouldn't fill my water bottle, so I called her over because she would literally walk by our table without making eye contact and asked for more. Out came two little cups without so much as a word from the not bartender. I did this three more times with a few minutes in between. Needless to say, she was super pissed that she had to keep running back and forth. She didn't hide it well and she didn't get a tip. And yet all of this could have been avoided if she had just brought me an actual glass of water in the first place. I mean, maybe this is one of the situations where you should have gave them a very mediocre tip. At the end of the day, they did bring you the water, even if the service was bad. It's the kind of place where you tip like $2 and just hope they understand why the tip was so bad. Our next story is, made a coworker late for a meeting because she's annoying. I work in an office and we have a meeting every Friday to go over numbers. It's a nuisance, but we do it anyway. We have this one coworker, late 50s and just salty as humanly possible. Mean, never smiles, and she has this annoying habit of clapping dramatically as she proudly proclaims, so good of you to join us, if we're late to the meeting. She has this scratchy old lady voice, making that much more obnoxious. This particular colleague is also responsible for printing and bringing the notes and numbers for the meeting. And since she's on the second floor, while the meeting's on the first floor, Rather than use her printer, she just sends the document down to our printer to be lazy, I guess. So this week, me and a buddy had the idea of switching off the printer just before the meeting, but not telling her. She comes down, sees it's not printing. We say, oh yeah, it just went down. We meant to tell you, sorry. So she has to go back upstairs, print it, and come back down. When she walks back in, she's greeted with a standing ovation and all of us saying, So glad you could join us. You could see the frustration on her face. Priceless. Hopefully in that moment this lady understands just how annoyed she must have made everybody if very clearly everybody's joining in here to get some light light revenge. Our next story is, I tell a dirt bike story at work Dude says he knows more and can show me some things. I was at work in the break room talking about dirt biking. My son and I both raced motocross. We weren't awesome, but we had fun. Probably four or five people were listening, and the dude comes up and says, You're doing it wrong. I know way more. I could show you. Oh, you want to front me off in front of people? I say, Okay, the dude. I'm free Sunday, so come on over and show me. The dude says, um, okay. I don't think this turned out like he planned. Maybe he had no plan, just a mouth that ran too much sometimes. So he shows up on Sunday, and my son and I are in the field behind my house, fully geared up. MX pants and jerseys, helmet, boots, gloves, goggles, etc. With my race bike, a Suzuki 252 stroke. It's a beast. If you crank the throttle too much, it'll loop out flip totally over backwards at 40 miles per hour. It'll hurt and it'll cost money to fix. The dude shows up in tennis shoes and jeans and a t-shirt. I fire up the bike, 
It's loud and sounds like a million pissed off bees, scares him poopless, and he had maybe ridden once in his life on a minibike years ago. I'd ridden for 20 years, now he's facing paralysis, but I'm holding his feet to the fire. My 12 year old son knows the deal and he's right with me. I ride it around doing wheelies and hitting top gear, over 50 miles per hour across the field, hitting small jumps and getting some small air. I fly up, slide to a stop, and shut it off. Here you go. Show me how it's done. I hand the bike to him. It's very quiet now. The dude is peeing down both legs. He let his mouth talk him into a spot he doesn't have the talent for, and it just might put him in the ER. Probably not how he planned on spending his Sunday. He gets on the bike, and you can practically hear his knees knocking against the bike. He tries to kickstart it. He can't. I take the bike and fire it up on the first kick. He gets back on and kills it as he's too scared to give it enough gas. Can't even operate the clutch. He can't start it. I take it back, fire it up, give it back, and he kills it again. I know he sucks. My son knows he sucks, and he knows he sucks. We all know it's going to go bad for him. The only question is how bad. I start it again, tell him it's easy, do some wheelies, and give it back. He kills it again. I fire it up and tell him to just give it more gas. He revs it up, the bike screams, he lets the clutch out too quickly and the bike loops out immediately. From where the rear tire spun to where the exhaust pipe dug the ground was a total of 4 feet. The bike dies, he's flat on his back and wondering if he's broken something, it gets totally quiet. After a pregnant pause I ask him, are you done showing me how it's done? The dude in a very quavery voice said, yep. I picked the bike up. He broke the rear fender off when he looped it out. You know you gotta pay for that, right? He said, yep. I go to work the next day and tell everybody all of it. The quaking, the killing the bike multiple times, the crash within four feet, the peeing his pants in fear the whole time. They called him Crash after that. Nobody likes these one-upper type people who say, oh well, if you just gave me a crack at that, I could do it better than anybody. It's nice to see somebody call one of those people out and hold them accountable. That said, our final story of the day is, I have to pay to print personal stuff at work? So do you, boss. Many years ago, I worked for an organization providing frontline customer service. It was a decent place to work, but our manager had lots of rules. One of the rules was that we couldn't do any personal printing with the printers at work. If we did, we were expected to pay 50 cents per page for black and white printing and a dollar per page for color. I'm not sure who made this rule, but the manager was constantly reminding us. Our desks were not assigned, meaning any day you could be sitting at any desk, depending on your assigned tasks for the day. One day I was interviewing for another job within the organization, but at another location. Prior to the interview, the manager of the other location asked me if I'd mind printing a copy of my resume and bringing it with me as their printers were down for the day. I said no problem and figured I'd print it at work since it was work related. I was sitting at a desk that didn't have a printer at it. The closest printer was located between my manager's desk and an employee desk so I printed it and stood up to go get it. Before I go to the printer, my manager got there first. My print job went ahead of hers. When she saw what I'd printed, she said, OP, this looks like a personal print job. I explained it wasn't, but she disagreed and said since it had nothing to do with our day-to-day work, I had to pay $2 for four black and white pages. I begrudgingly paid up. 
I asked her what had happened to the money, and she said she always put it in the Christmas party fund. Alright. A few weeks later, I was sitting at the desk with the printer at it. It was lunchtime and everyone except my manager agreed to go to a nearby restaurant for lunch. I had walked out of our building and realized I forgot my wallet, so I quickly ran back in to get it. When I got to my desk, I could hear the printer going. I was curious what was being printed as it was spitting out page after page. I quickly glanced at the pile and saw at least 100 pages printed in color, announcing a sweet 16 for Trista, our manager's daughter. It very obviously belonged to my manager. My manager came out of the bathroom a moment later and seemed shocked to see me standing there. I picked up the pile and passed it to her and told her our Christmas party fund was going to be getting a big boost. She said nothing but looked really uncomfortable. A few weeks later, our district manager made his quarterly visit. He talked about the upcoming Christmas party and how excited he was for it. I decided it was time for some petty revenge. I raised my hand and said, just wondering how much we've accumulated this year for the Christmas party from print jobs. He looked so confused and asked me to explain what I meant. So I told him our manager's rule. He got really quiet and said he'd have to review this. The next day, my manager sent an email saying that the printing rule was something she was misinformed on and would be abolished immediately. Me, being the little crap disturber I am, hit reply all and asked what would happen to the already accumulated funds. Someone else said that we should have a nice healthy fund for a pizza lunch and everyone agreed. The next day, I hear my manager ordering 10 pizzas for lunch, also used her own personal credit card to pay for it all. Do I think she was pocketing the printing money all along? Absolutely. But it was fun making her sweat and then having to spend nearly $300 the next day to make up for it. Oh gosh, finding out that they not only surely pocketed all of that money, but went and broke their own rules too? This manager sounds just awful. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or, if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.